coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss Cozy Bear Finally Stops Ghosting Internet. Next up, Anti-Coin Miner Campaign Flies Under the Radar. And finally, our second round of Two Truths and a Lie. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 29, recorded on October 21st, 2019. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, pun of your business, LaBelle. With me, co-host Emily, help me crowdsource my nicknames, Hacker. And last but not least, Tarek, Malware, Somalier, Salah. I really would like help with my nicknames. I struggle with this every week, so please tweet me at Dreadphones and give me a nickname. God help me. <laughs> but don't be rude about it. Yeah, yes. thank you, Tark. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's true. I'm asking the internet for something. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? I saw a comment on the internet. I would say recently, but that would be a blatant lie. It was, a, it was like a year ago, and it was in the comments section, which is always a bad choice, but this was the first time it ever paid off. Because uh, somebody was talking about how it's impossible to translate sarcasm on the internet and that we need to accept like a worldwide font for sarcasm, like Comic Sans. <laughs> if you had the option to put something in Comic Sans, you would be telling people you're being sarcastic. So I started using the like up, down, like oh. caps, uncaps, like every other letter. Like, oh, yeah, from the SpongeBob, the SpongeBob meme. meme. That's so a good I one. start using that as the sarcasm font, and I think it translates pretty well. I think I, most people figure it out. There's also wow. the slash S, too. Yes, that's, that's a newer one. You put that at the end of your statement. Yeah, it's like S. HTML code, right? You're yeah. just ending it on a slash S. I the only problem with that is when I'm like me. typing something in Slack and then I'm like, oh, that was sarcastic. I try to do slash S, and it's like, slash what? What would you like to do? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of command do you want? <laughs> Might I help you? <laughs> no, it's I like just want to be sarcastic. Hmm. <gasps> Clippy meets Slack. Did you hear that, Slack? All right. Okay. Now that all of our brainstorming is done, we have to have this conversation offline so we can get all the royalties from these wonderful options. Um, <laughs> but we're going to jump into our two articles today, and then we are going to have our second round of Two Truths and a Lie. So we'll get into that here in a few minutes or in a while, actually. It's towards the end of the episode, so a few minutes would be a blatant lie again. Here I am, lying. Haha. <laughs> or am I? Okay. So <laughs> the first article is... Cozy Bear finally stops ghosting internet. So the cyber espionage operations from Cozy Bear, a threat actor believed to work for the Russian government, continued undetected for the past years by using malware families previously unknown to security researchers. For those who are not up on the lingo, ghosting is when you just stop replying. So there was a pun in there. That's all you need to know. I know you're all, I can just pause for laughter. Perfect. Okay, moving on. <laughs> you can add laugh tracks. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Okay. <laughs> so, Emily, for my first question, it's imperative that I misquote Shakespeare and say, an APT by any other name would smell so sweet. What are some APT group names for a cozy bear outside of the beautiful cozy bear name? There are quite a few. This group is... Um... People just really cannot agree on a name for this group, apparently. There's APT-29, Cozy Duke, Dukes, Mini Dionys, and there was more. There was a whole list, but those were the ones that I at least had heard before, and I felt like it was probably a little unnecessary to include the additional, like, 15 <laughs> names that aren't used that frequently. But I think more often than not, you'll hear Cozy Bear or APT-29 in regards to this particular group. 
I am slightly dif- disappointed that you did not refer to office monkeys because that was my that might have been the entire intent behind that question is I wanted to hear you say office, office monkeys. monkeys. <laughs> Yay! Now you've heard it. <laughs> okay, now that we've given the people what they want. So, more importantly, Cozy Bear has been uh, unbearably quiet these days. So, why is this group resurfaced from hibernation, if you will? And uh, can you provide some historical information on the group? Yeah. So what's interesting um, about this report from ESET is that it seems that this group was never actually hibernating at all, but rather had slipped under the radar of researchers for quite a few years now. So this article from ESET indicates that they've been conducting this, uh, quote unquote, new campaign called Operation Ghost, hence the punny title, (laughs) since 2013. Um, Historically, Cozy Bear has been a pretty infamous group. They are known, of course, for their involvement in the 2016 Democratic National Committee breach. Um, But after that, they were involved in targeting the Norwegian government in 2017. And in 2018, they were suspected to be responsible for a one-off phishing campaign targeting American government officials. But those were much smaller campaigns. They weren't large like the DNC breach. And since then, they've been pretty quiet. So there was some question as to where they had gone. But as this article points out, it seems that they had just been operating that whole time undetected. That's concerning. Indeed. (laughs) So what do the folks over there at ESET unearth in that research regarding the tools and stages of the campaign? Yeah, ESET uncovered a lot of information about this latest campaign. I just want to like honestly like throw out kudos to ESA. This was one of my favorite reports I've read in a long time and I frequently complain about reports and this was one that I like sent to a lot of people and was like this is really great you have to read this so it was just really really well written and had a lot of good information. So um, some of the most interesting things to me were that in the first stage malware which is polyglot it uh, can interpret characters from alphabets such as Cherokee, um, Katakana, and Kangji probably mispronouncing that last one. Um, Another thing that really stood out to me was that they've been using social sites. Cozy Bear has been using social sites for C2 in this stage. So ESET noted that they use Twitter, Imgur, and Reddit to post encrypted C2 URLs. I've seen Twitter and Imgur being used before, and I think I've even seen Instagram from another group. But Reddit is actually uh, a new one for me. I haven't seen that being used for C2 before. They posted... Uh, ESET posted a screenshot of the C2 comment in question, and this morning I went to Reddit and verified it's still there. So that's kind of interesting. I thought about downvoting it, but I didn't. Um, And one thing to note about this use of common sites for their C2 is that they're almost hiding amidst the noise. So defenders are going to expect to see users visiting those type of sites. It's not going to stand out to them as a potential infection or a potential problem. Besides that, they're also using steganography to be as sneaky as possible. So they're going to the social sites or to Dropbox as backup, which is another just hiding in, in the noise site. And they're they're pulling down images that um, are named things like one of them was named cuteanimals12.jpg, which I think is just another way for them to hide in the midst of regular expected downloads. Like uh, I would download something called cuteanimals12. <laughs> so defenders aren't going to see that and immediately think like, oh, this this one's called like bad malware.jpg. You know, it just looks a little bit different. Um after this, the second stage downloader, Miniduke, is installed, and that's not new malware for this group, which is we'll talk about in a minute. Part of how um, he said it was one way that they felt this might be tied to um, Cozy Bear. And then finally, the third stage is called Fat Duke, which I'm simply throwing out for the name so we can all appreciate it. <laughs> um, and this one does seem to be new 
to this campaign. But like I mentioned, this campaign has been going on since 2013. So while all this malware uh, might seem new, it's actually been around pretty much as long as we've known about Cozy Bear. We just didn't know about this campaign, mm. we being in the InfoSec community, I suppose. Well, I'll be curious to see how the defenders and the Cozy Bear people do get out, if you will. That Very actually, nice. that pun needs to go as a shout out to Ryan Weaver. Yeah, pun man. Pun master. Pun meister. Pun meister extraordinaire. Pun meister, Ryan. Well done, Ryan. <laughs> so, Emily, as Cozy Bear is notorious for their C2 infrastructure um, and the OPSEC around the way that they create that infrastructure, how can ESET be sure that this is, in fact, Cozy Bear? Yeah, that's a good question. So they list a few different reasons that they tied this campaign back to Cozy Bear. So first, as I just mentioned, the use of some of the known Cozy Bear tools, such as Minidook, was their first indication. But they did admit that that wasn't really a strong enough tie for them to um, just run to the presses with full attribution. Um so in addition to that, they listed a few other reasons. So many of the TTPs of this campaign, I suppose, were uh, in common with previously documented Cozy Bear TTPs, such as the use of social media for C2, the use of steganography, stuff like that. And then coupled with the code similarity, so the new malware that they had come across, the uh, polyglot and the fat duke, there was code similarity between those pieces of malware and and malware that we already knew to be tied back to Cozy Bear. So they felt that that was a strong enough um, confidence to attribute this Operation Ghost back to Cozy Bear. Interesting. And uh, one piece of the campaign that we haven't really talked about is the attack vector. So do they happen to know the initial infection vector or the general, the scope of this campaign? Yeah, so interestingly enough, ESET was not able to determine the exact method of infection vector for this campaign. This group is known for highly targeted spear phishing emails, but ESET says that no such email was ever found on an infected system. However, they also noted that two of the three infected organizations in question had also previously been infected in Cozy Bear campaigns of your, and that it's possible they simply moved laterally to the systems they wanted to compromise for this campaign. As far as scope goes, I mentioned that there were three organizations there, and one of the things that's um, interested is that all of these targets are ministries of foreign affairs. So they're targeting government agencies specific to foreign affairs. So the scope is pretty limited in that regard, I guess, as far as who they're targeting. Step one, Ministry of Affairs. Step two, Ministries of Magic. There you go. <laughs> Watch out. Watch out. Um, okay, so I think that was a fantastic synopsis. Emily, thank you for deep diving into this particular campaign and just Cozy Bear in general. I know of your deep love for APT groups. Especially and those reports. bears. Those bears. They're so, so cozy. So fancy. So cute. So cozy. So gothic. So Tarek. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into the hoodie rating. What do you think about this one? Yeah, you know, this one's a solid, like, 9 out of 10 for me. So I, I'm thinking, I put my shoes, every time I read, like, uh, uh, malware write-ups or, like, uh, just threat reports in general, I always envision back to my days when I did a lot of, like, security incident response work. And I'm looking at Cozy Bear and the TTP is used, and I'm like, geez, there is no way. Even, like, some of the most sophisticated, like, network-based controls I've been a part of would ever be able to detect something like this. So number one, you're using like legitimate websites, right? Like no, uh, you know, these are all whitelisted Twitter, Reddit, Dropbox uh, from a, you know, network security perspective. 
a lot of times you might not even want to log like attempts or requests going there, right? Even if you do have like SSL inspection, there's the next layer, which is stenography. So let's say you do inspect like all pictures and all uh, content being downloaded from Reddit. Does your next level of um, breaking SSL and like looking at the payload data, can you even like make sense of the base64 encoded blobs, right? Uh, because there's a payload in there. Probably not. That's a lot of computation. That's a lot of work that's required. So that's the first two layers. Um, and then we're not even talking about the malware itself, which, you know, they have like a lot of really sophisticated techniques and stuff that they do to bypass like endpoint detection stuff. But from like a network perspective, almost impossible to to pick this up. Um, even if you're doing threat hunting, like good luck finding that. Can we have our breaking badness mascot be the base 64 blobs? Yes. Because I kind of love that. The blob. <laughs> the blob. I to say it in like a scary voice. But, but people say it with excitement. Yeah. The, the blob. blob. Wow. Exactly like that. <laughs> and another thing that's crazy about uh, APT groups like this, like they get exposed often, but it doesn't stop them. They just keep, you know, just because you're attributed, just because your uh, campaigns get exposed, doesn't mean they stop. They still keep grinding forward. We've seen it with China. We see it with Russia still to this day. Keeping that PN persistent. That's and right. APT. That, that uh, yes, that persistent. They are not persistent. 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 Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you, Tarek and Emily. What do you, What do you think about this? Yeah, I agree. This is a pretty um, from a from a defender standpoint. This one's pretty severe. I was going to go with an eight just because I I feel like I don't know the the only thing holding me back from like panicking, giving it the full <laughs> nine or ten, is because this so far has been limited and to who they're targeting with just these these ministries of magic and foreign <laughs> affairs. So at this point, until we uncover more evidence that suggests that they have been targeting a wider array of targets, such as you know various corporations um, in different sectors and stuff, I feel like that would definitely bump it up. But I don't know how they're ever going to find that because as Tarek said, like, not to be dramatic, they're never going to find that. They will. But like as Tarek said, it's going to be a pain to find because these um, this actor has really kind of mastered the art of hiding amidst the noise and not being found so it's like you know we all, i think all defenders have this joke of it's like it's not uh when the apt is going to get on your system it's when you're going to find them and i think this is a good example of this of like even if you got this report and went and tried to find them on your network i don't know necessarily that you would be successful so it's just to say that like they're they're pretty good at hiding we don't know what other tactics they're using and um so for now the scope seems pretty limited so i'm going to give it an eight but i wouldn't be surprised if we find out uh later that they had also been targeting non-ministries mm. another thing that i found really interesting from this report that i forgot to mention earlier because it wasn't entirely relevant but i just thought was super interesting was that ESET mentioned that this group had been known to target uh, Russian drug dealers in Russia. So operating in a huh. law enforcement capacity, which I was just like, okay, like, I guess in your spare time, just catch drug dealers because he's bare, but like, yeah, anyway. Cyber Batman. Cyber Batman. That might the be the vigilante. title. They got the Dark Knight voice, too. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel. Wait, were we not just talking about this today? That's crazy. Batman comes up a lot. Okay. <laughs> Apparently. Well, moving on from Batman. Hard to do, but we'll, we'll, we'll go there. Um, so the next topic we have is anti-coin miner campaign flies under the radar. So more than 50% of all computing systems at a European international airport were recently found to be infected with a Monero crypto miner 
linked to the anti-coin miner campaign Zscaler spotted during, I think it was August of 2018. So, um, first of all, great pun to Emily for the article title. Big props. Big props. <laughs> Airplane props. What? See, I tried. I tried to do. I tried to do a pun. I'm sorry. We appreciate it. I'll never. I'll one. never do it again. This is Boeing really well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Tarek, um, how and who discovered this uh, crypto miner attack? Yeah, this one's uh, this one's pretty interesting. So, I'm always. Uh, I think crypto mining is its own special type of attack in the sense that it's kind of subjective, right? Uh, we're dealing with um, an attack that really doesn't steal your PII. It doesn't steal your personal data. It doesn't um, really do anything except like steal resources from your company. It just steals like compute time. It just uh, takes away uh, compute from your GPU or your CPU to make attackers money. But it's not stealing anything. Well, any, any data. So it's this really interesting, uh, really kind of interesting attack. Um, this attack was specifically detected converting from like a traditional AV over to uh, Cyberbit's uh, EDR platform. And uh, I've been a part of these kind of migrations before, and it really is like peeling the onion back when you go from like a low-tech, lower, uh, sophisticated like a detection control to something more sexy, more new that's able to detect a lot more. Um, yeah, and it could be pretty. It could be pretty scary, and that's how this one was detected. You know what else is like an onion? What? Ogres. Trick. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Never You're free be sorry. To cut that, cut that out. <laughs> Never. That is not being. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Your face. <laughs> you were just so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Tarek, for that uh, that walkthrough, and I'm curious how the attack itself was detected. Yeah, so when you, going from like traditional AV, which is signature-based, um, over to something that's behavioral-based like an EDR, um, that's really, it's got its hooks into the operating system's kernel, you really uncover a lot of a lot of signal. Uh, you get a lot of noise, but it's usually relatively ironed out. And so, um, and that's what happened in this case. So once again, Cyberbit uh, was the vendor of choice for this uh, large international European airport uh, to be the new solution. So once that was essentially baked into the network um, and telemetry on um, process data and um, just operating level, operating system level metrics and logs were kind of all being collected and shipped up to uh, Cyberbit's um, uh, servers for processing, um, that's how uh, the administrators and people responsible uncovered this large malware outbreak on their network. So according to Cyberbit, uh, the malware may have been used for months prior to installation of the Cyberbit EDR, although all uh, workstations were equipped with an industry standard antivirus. So um, what would cause such a delay, airport pun intended? <laughs> Yeah, so kind of diving deeper into one of the issues of like traditional signature-based antivirus solutions is that they oftentimes only scan for malware or just they scan files once it's like written to the hard drive or the disk of the uh, of the computer. Uh, and in this case, this is like once again like an example of attackers living off the land that we you know hear about and talk about. And um, this case, it was done by um, a specific open source uh, uh, tool called PA Exec, which. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's it's akin, almost identical to PS Exec, uh, which is a Microsoft uh, binary that's used to do remote code execution on on boxes you own. Um, and this one is just an open source distributed version of that. Um, and that's what the attackers used in this case. 
Um, uh, you know, these are once again these are legitimate tools used by systems administrators, uh, but in this case, they're being abused by attackers. So, Tarek, I know you're the malware guru. Did you find anything particularly striking about this malware? Yeah, this one was um, so. This one actually had uh, some moderate sophistication behind it, um, even though the attack itself is kind of low impact in the terms of like damages done to an organization, right? But I'm always like fascinated by different means that malware authors use to bypass detections. It's how I can help you know uh, make myself a better uh, blue teamer. Um, so in this case, there wasn't anything super groundbreaking, but there didn't need to be. Um, malware authors. Um, um, these ones in this case, uh, anyone that it's like relatively like decently sophisticated, um, they use a certain kind of a technique uh, called reflective DLL injection, and it's kind of like a cradle to their malware execution. Um, and just for like level setting and education purposes, reflective DLL injection um, or loading, sometimes you'll hear it called like DLL loading. Um, it's not new, um, but uh, you essentially take an executable that's not on disk. So you might see it being called uh, from like a like a downloader, um, like a first stage downloader, um, where it, uh, an executable is downloaded, usually from like a public internet, like a malicious site. It's retrieved, um, stored in memory. Um, then like through different API calls, it's uh, mapped out into memory um, and then uh, gets written to inside of an existing process and executed, um, usually like a legitimate one. And that's one way, um, even for bypassing EDRs, um, it's uh, it's a way to say like an EDR is looking at the behavior of um, this executable and saying, oh, this is a legitimate process and it's doing legitimate things. Um, so I'm not going to go ahead and uh, bother inspecting it or flagging it. Um, so this is just another means of bypassing detection controls. Um, but it didn't bypass uh, Cyberbit's uh, EDR, which is really interesting. That's really cool. Thank you for walking through that, Tarek. I really appreciate it. And the question that, you know, we always like to ask here before we go into the hoodie rating is the impact and why folks should care. So what did that look like for this particular attack? Yeah, I uh, I wish we had the data on how many workstations that 50% number was. Because uh, then you can, like, sit back and do some calculations. Because I think that financial impact is the one that we need to think about here. Um, and it's not really a financial impact to the airports, but just the overall how much money do the attackers make. Um, so it was on there for quite some time, um, and that 50% could be hundreds of machines, um, depending on the crypto they were mining, uh, which I th was Monero. Um, be interesting to see what the overall number would be. But you know, since we don't have that data, we can also talk about like the PR impact. That's another side of like the whole security incident response like uh, process and thought processes. What's the PR impact of this? I personally, as somebody who's like a traveler. Um, I don't feel comfortable with the fact that like malicious code was allowed to execute on airport computers. That just makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, even though this was a uh, low impact kind of an attack, it's just crypto mining. But replace crypto mining with uh, you know something that steals uh, PII, and um, it's a different story. So this one, I think the impact is pretty pretty severe. Absolutely, and. Uh, Emily, that's probably a good place for you to enter your hoodie rating for the week. Hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting one for a hoodie rating. I am leaning towards the lower end of the scale. I agree with everything you just said, Tark, about um, this impact being from like a PR standpoint. But at the end of the day, I think that hoodie scale rating wise, the 
the fact of the matter is, since no data was involved, it's just a Monero miner, um, that I'm going to give this one a four. I was going between three and four, but this was like a high, um, like it's an airport, you know, it's not like Joe Bob's fencing store or something like it's an airport. And so no offense, Joe Bob or your fencing store, but like great fencing store. This is an airport. And so it's a bigger organization and it's something that are your, that just doesn't bode well in general. Tark, what do you think? Well, this is interesting because we don't really know necessarily how the that 50% of those workstations were affected. But like gleaning from some of the other TTPs here, we've got uh, a Monero miner. Yeah, that's kind of low sophistication. But at the same time, it was able to propagate, which I thought was really interesting. Somehow it was able to propagate, whether it was done by like a system administrator that got fooled or through some other means. But the, the actual miner itself and the stages didn't have any propagation um, in there. So I think that's really interesting. I think that speaks to maybe the sophistication of the attackers. Um, they're doing stuff like, you know, reflective DLL injection. That's relatively sophisticated. Um, and also combined with the fact that it's at the airport, um, it's still malicious code being executed successfully and able to, like, you know, you know, hit that 50% mark. I'm going to give this like a 6 out of 10. So Perfect. Thank you, Tarek. That was a fantastic description of the hoodies. And that wraps up the article portion of this week's episode. Now let's get into our game, Two Truths and a Lie. So we talked about this last time. Basically, we're taking a quick spin on the game that you all know and love about Two Truths and a Lie. And one of us each week is coming up with three art or coming up with one article title and two Three ones, lies and a three lies lie. And... There we are. Only <laughs> twice. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, so this is my week to be what we call the Dolos. And so... Basically, I'm going to try to trick both Emily and Tarek here with my two truths and a lie article titles, and they will decide which one they think is a truth or a lie. Um, I get a point for each person that I successfully fool, fool, and then Emily or Tarek could get a point for not being fooled. So that's where we're at. And so with that, let the games begin. I'm going to read you the three titles. Okay, the first one. How BlackBerry used improv comedy to make cybersecurity a more, quote-unquote, human topic. Number two. Hackers stole 26 million credit cards, but vigilantes rescued them. Three. Cyber attack in Mount Dora results in a net, game, uh, a net gain of over 60 Bitcoin, which I guess is close to about half a million dollars. <sighs> BlackBerry used improv comedy to make security kind of more palatable. Uh, hackers stole millions of credit cards, but they were Robin Hooded. <laughs> Got and, done Robin Hooded. And then the last or one Batman. was cyber <laughs> cyber attack Net Dora in Mount Mount Dora, which I Mount believe Dora. is in <laughs> Florida. Of course it is. <laughs> okay. Are you googling them? No, like, actually, oh my no. God. The cyber the cyber attack. Okay. Just writing them down. That's fair. It resulted in a net gain of 60 Bitcoin, the breach. For the company that had been breached. Yeah. Okay, I see. Which was the city of Mount Dora, or the metropolitan area. Do you want me just to come out and tell you which one I think is a lie? Correct. 60 Bitcoin, net Dora. Mount Dora, final answer. Can you read them again? Yes. How BlackBerry used improv comedy to make cybersecurity a more human topic. Hackers stole 26 million credit cards, but vigilantes just rescued them. 
cyber attack in Mount Dora results in a net gain of over 60 Bitcoin. And the reason why I say, I, I think BlackBerry is cheesy enough and lame Me enough too. that they would do <laughs> something like improv comedy because they're not. Oh, I would totally do that. <laughs> Kelsey is cheesy You're enough. Cheesy and lame. <laughs> I'm just a brie. <laughs> that cheesy. Delicious. Case in point, Emily. Oh, what were, oh sorry, Tarek, I cut you no, off. No, I just finished my point that BlackBerry, I think, is just kind of out of touch agree. enough. I think that the BlackBerry one strikes me as true. Okay. <laughs> and if it's not, please, BlackBerry, <laughs> you get guys on can that. Do better. Um, <laughs> the second one, oh my God, my brain's all over the place. The second one was the Vigilante Batman credit card. Batman. And the third one was the Florida Man gained 60 Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay. I okay. I I feel like we're gonna have to play a couple rounds before I know how y'all lie, because I'm wondering if this is the type of lie where someone's gonna be like, "It was only fifty nine Bitcoin." No, <laughs> unless I wouldn't do that. Too. Okay, that would be that's low blows. That in would way. be low blows. Okay. All right. So, Tarek, is your official guess that the lie is the cyber attack in Mount Dora? Yes. I'm aggressively pointing at Targ yeah. right now. I'll Targ, you know. which one did you get? Targ, I'm doing it with four fingers now. That's it's much less rude. It's a knife hand. The knife hand. ka <laughs> All right, Emily? I, uh, just for knife the sake hand. of, you know, not going for the same thing, basically, because I... Let's hedge our bets. Yeah. <laughs> that way we don't both give her a point. We can't do that. Ooh. That's right. <gasps> so I'm going to go up. with number two, the Batman vigilante. Batman. Although I'm not convinced it's that. I just really, really want the Blackberry one Seems to be like true. Seems like she's putting some padding in there, Tarek. What do you think? Mm. I promise. I feel like I always gang up on you, you on this really game. You really do. Oh, two for two. <laughs> Sad face. It's the competition. It's going to fuel brings us. It, out. it brings Batman out. <laughs> all right. Are you guys ready? Are you all ready? Ready, Freddy. Cyber attack in Mount Dora results in a gain. That was the lie. So Tarek, you and I are still tied. <laughs> Where was good. it, or was it? There nothing. Not, that oh, did not totally exist. That okay. I tried to look up a small town in Florida, and then looked up the the, the value of Bitcoin. I thought the five hundred thousand was a nice touch, personally. Oh, it was. Not to good show job. my hand, but there it is. Here's my <laughs> hand. You can see it. Well, you can't. You're listening, but they saw it. All right. Just imagine it. The hand. <laughs> And we can just talk real quick about how cheesy BlackBerry Amazing. is to resort to improv comedy. I what are they doing? I would love that. Tarek, I now expect an improv comedy show from you. Oh, geez. You're going to be really disappointed. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what the improv comedy It's about security. We're like, yeah. like, what's the deal with airplane Monero miners? Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get is a little bass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be bad. And now I kind of want to see it too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I know. I'm I like kind of kind of hooked. I want to see it. Blackberry, I want to know. if you listen, please send it. I also want to give a shout out, um, and I'm, I promise I'll share this with you too and the rest of the folks here at our company. But um, Black Hills Security provided us with a wonderful card game, Backdoors and Breaches. Um, so I think you can email them over there or tweet them to get a copy yourself. But I'm hoping we can play that over here. So thank you for sending that our way. We really appreciate it. And um, that really wraps up our episode, and we've got another one coming for you next week. And some guest episodes here. We have at least two, three more um, scheduled through the rest of this year. So we've got some great people that will be on the show. Um, so we're really excited to share those with you. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Remember, don't drink and click. 
And we'll see you next time on Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.